The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Tommy's with me today. No pod yesterday, and I apologize for that. We were going to do a pod, but the pod that I'm going to do on Saturday will replace the one that I was going to do yesterday. All right? Uh, I did play golf. That was part of the issue, Tommy, for no podcast, is I had something scheduled to get a podcast done, and then it got a little bit uh, sideways in terms of the scheduling, and so I chose to go out and play golf on a 60-degree day rather than wait till later on in the afternoon to ultimately what would have been get, getting the podcast out at about 5 o'clock. So I wasn't going to do that, even though I know some days we get it out late. But I will have that show that I was going to do yesterday available for you on Saturday. Tomorrow, I think... Cooley will be with us to preview the Super Bowl. Um, he is in St. Lucia vacationing uh, this week, um, but we'll have a full-fledged Super Bowl show tomorrow. Uh, Tommy will give uh, give us his Super Bowl pick today. I thought we could name today's show Ron Rivera, colon, interesting but not important because that's <laughs> kind of how I view him now. What he says is interesting, as he would say, but really it's not that important because if you take it too seriously, it it changes. We're going to get to all of the Ron Rivera stuff from what he said yesterday in the interviews, and we have to be careful with Rivera because he might do interviews like this afternoon that completely contradict what he said yesterday about Sam Howell and about Chase Young. Um. We're going to get to all of that. Look, I've said, I've said, I've said all along, they're just winging it out there. They are. They winging really are winging it. They're just winging. They're just going day to day. <laughs> and now they don't even have the ability to kind of do what they want to do or what they'd like to do because I don't think they're allowed to spend any money. Personally, I don't think any big, big decisions where any kind of money is going to have to be put out there in free agency or anything. I don't think those decisions can be made. Um, right now. That's a guess. That's not a report. I, I want to start the show off, however, by sharing with you a story from the radio show this morning. Remember, Super Bowl week, we have a lot of memories, the two of us together during Super Bowl week. Um, whether it was together in various cities, uh, you know, having Super Bowl shows on Radio Row, or whether it was one of us in the Super Bowl city, the other one of us back, 
But one of the consistent themes of Super Bowl week for us on our show, and it started with doing the show with you, was something that we called Super Bowl trivia, <laughs> which gave you agita every year. Yes. Yes, because, because of the circumstances involved. It was, it was a commitment that was beyond uh, the scope of reason, and I can't believe I still to this day that I went along with it. The commitment being we could never get the radio station, and by the way, I still can't, to get the radio station behind like a legitimate prize for somebody that won Super Bowl trivia, which for those of you unfamiliar, you know, I no, Tom, Tommy did a lot of the things on the show, and there are certain things that I took and ran with, and the Super Bowl trivia thing was was my thing, and I created yeah. a lot of the questions, and, you know, we would have three levels of questions, an easy level, a, a medium a level question, and then a very, very difficult question. It really turned into hard, much harder, and impossible were the three levels, and um, if you got all three, you won a prize, and because we couldn't get, I think, that first year the radio station to commit to anything other than like it was like a I think it was like a signed Fred Davis football I think that was like the <laughs> first thing that somebody said we give a signed Fred Davis football we've got one in the back room that we couldn't give away at the last auction and um we're like no we're not gonna do that and so we decided I decided, but I got you to come along with the, uh, on the ride, that we would give out of our own pocket. What was the, was it $500? 500 bucks. $500. 500 bucks out of our own pocket. Out of our own pocket. To run, to run a contest for the place where we worked. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, Imagine I think, I think where you, you work. Imagine where you work. At some point, you know, you have an idea, and they, they think it's a great idea, but they won't help you with it. You say, that's okay, boss. I'll pay for it. <laughs> we did that. We did that. Yes. I think this was going to be on your list of OSHA complaints. Um, that in the <laughs> that in the low speakers that nearly knocked me unconscious uh, on multiple <laughs> occasions. Um, we used to have these speakers that hung from the ceiling in the main studio, and if you were taller than six feet, which I am, I mean, you had to duck under when you walked. And yeah, and one of them was and man. Sometimes you would hit it. <laughs> And I would think, oh, that's it. I'm doing the show. I'm doing the show by myself the rest of the day. I mean, and it, would, it was always because one of them hung right above, remember, my seat and where my setup was in the studio. And occasionally I was such an idiot. I would just get up, stand up, and boom. And it was, I, I know one of them was at least a mild concussive concussive hit. I, yeah. I, I, was, I was concussed. Well, you know, in, fa- in fairness. <laughs> what? Not in fairness, but another point of view here. I mean, you sort of deserved it. I Why did. would you sit in that seat? I mean, that was in the back. That was to have your back to the producer. Well, who, who, since you were running the show, you needed to see me. I'm sitting in the seat where I can look at the into the booth, see what the producer's doing. You've got his back to him. You should have been sitting in my seat all along. I know, but you took that seat. And I wasn't going to. Oh no, no, no! I tried. 
I tried to switch with you on numerous I think numerous you're right. Cases. I think you're right. Mark you know, and I you, tried to no, talk no, no, you into switching. You, you're right about that. You know why I liked sitting on that side? I loved being able why? to look out that big picture window. I <laughs> I like looking out windows. And we had a huge, huge picture window, fourth floor, looking out onto the lovely Rockville Pike. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, if that, you sat in my seat, you would have never hit your head on those speakers. No, that's true, and you would have been the one struggling with trivia contests. Well, I, I would, um, because I would, I would, I, I would have had to stand on on a stool to hit those yeah. speakers. So this morning, you know that I, you know pretty much I put together this whole Super Bowl trivia um, contest, but I've had help over the years from. Two people in particular, one I'll name, Tim Shovers. Tim w- worked at the station for years, and Tim loved kind of helping out with Super Bowl trivia. And still, Tommy, every single year, two weeks before the Super Bowl, I get an email from Tim saying, here are a couple of questions for Super Bowl trivia. He's great. <laughs> he, he's awesome. He, he ne- it's like, he, as he says, it's a tradition unlike any other, uh, him participating. <laughs> and I also have somebody else that kind of contributes a little bit, and I'm not going to discourage that person because I really like that person. Um, b- b- but occasionally I should probably double-check some of the answers. Um, and this morning I had a level two question. That is a good one because typically what I do is I'll put together a lot of level one questions that have to do with the two teams that are playing in the Super Bowl and then a lot of Redskins Super Bowl trivia. Okay. You know, for those that have never listened to it, like an example is, um, you know, uh, name, name the three MVPs. Uh, name the three Redskin MV, uh, MVPs in their three Super Bowl wins. I mean, if, if, you're, if you're a Redskin fan and you can't get that, you're not really a fan. You know, Riggins, Doug, and Rip, okay? Um, And then we get to the level two questions, and I have some skins questions in there as well. And one of the questions today with a caller, his name was Augustine. He had a very um, memorable name, Augustine, from somewhere in Maryland. He called, and he got to level two. And the question was, name the four quarterbacks who played and started games for the Redskins but also started in Super Bowls for other teams. Now, this the answer that I had in front of me. Um, can, by the way, can you name any of them off the top of your head? No. You you're, you just don't want to play along. Could you you could get you could think about it and come up with one or two of them. Yeah, but this has so many bad memories for me. Okay, that I um, can't really uh, so, think about. So, so name the four <laughs> quarterbacks who played and started games for the Redskins, but also started in Super Bowls for other teams. Now, in front well, of Brad me, Brad Johnson's one. W- w- Brad Johnson is one. So, in front of me, I yeah. have Rich Gannon, Donovan McNabb, Brad Johnson, and Rex Grossman as the answers. So, caller Augustine says. Stan Humphreys. <laughs> I think to myself, I go, oh, uh, yeah, Stan started for the Chargers in the Super Bowl. And he yes, started he games for the Redskins, too. Uh, that's one we didn't have. So I immediately said to him, you know what? Um, I'm going to give you more time for this question. The answer now is name the five quarterbacks who played and started <laughs> games for the Redskins, but also started in Super Bowls for other teams. 
And he goes, okay, thanks, appreciate it. And then he says, Jeff Hostetler. Oh, my God. (laughs) And so I'm like, oh, my God, that's true, too. Started for the Giants, won that Super Bowl, 25 for the Giants over the Bills, Norwood wide right. And he started for the Redskins in 1997 in the 97 season. Um, No, not in the 97 season. Uh, Hostetler started in the 2000 season, right? Yeah, 2000 season with Norv in that last year, right? I think so. Whatever it was. No, it was the 97 season. It was the season they played at the end of the year where they had a chance for the playoffs, and Gus was hurt, I think. Um, Anyway, so I totally fucked that whole question up. And so since he he had already – then he – he 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 had named um, Gannon and Brad Johnson uh, as well, and so I finally said, "Look, the question was four quarterbacks to start. You've gotten four of them, so we'll move you on to level three. Now he did not answer the level three question, which was really really hard. I forget what even I asked this morning, but um, I completely fucked it up. The the level two question, I. I, uh, you know what? It's my fault because I should be uh, checking these answers. That would have been one where you just have to go find the list of starting quarterbacks in the Super Bowl, all of the Super Bowls, all 56 of them, and then go down the list and just say, yeah, he started for, for Washington. He started for Washington. Yeah. Um, yeah. And by the way, for, okay. all I, for all I know, there could be another one that I'm missing. Easily, there could be another one. Yeah. There, there could be. So at least you're not participating uh, in this. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not, I'm oh, not oh, giving money out of question. my own pocket. If that's what you're going to ask. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. You. yeah. I'm not. You're not. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, because let me just point out to everybody that you haven't told them yet that when we did this, I mean, the third level question you assured me <laughs> would be so difficult yeah. that nobody could possibly get right. That was the part of the deal, okay? Yes. We came up with it. You would come up with a question that nobody would get, so I could keep my half of the money and not have to shell it out, my 250 of the 500 But after, I think it was like the third year we oh, did it. Oh, I think it went more than that. I think it was like the well, fifth or the sixth or year, year somebody finally well, got it. And then remember part of it. Somebody got it? But we we and remember they came in to the station because part of it too was that they would come in and be able to sit in on a show, and they came in. We gave them the money. We took pictures with them. They hung out with us. I can't remember their names or his name. No, right? They, 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 they came in. We paid them right yeah. that day. We had a, we each had our two hundred and fifty bucks in cash. We handed it over to them. Yes. Yes. Um. No. This this contest is more. Um, is more about uh, tickets. I, by the way, I wasn't even told tickets to what. So it was like, I don't know, somebody wins, we'll find him tickets to a Caps game or a Wizards game or a Terps game, something like that. I'm like, fine, whatever. You know, as you know, and I know, and I think probably many of you who, li- who are listening, it's really not the prize. It's the, it's the contest and the play along and everybody playing along as they're listening in the car criticizing me for uh, impossible questions. By the way, somebody um, uh, who I played golf with yesterday, Pat, Patrick Judge, uh, who um, you know it was into the, the Super Bowl trivia, asked me a trivia question, and this is a good one, and this has nothing to do with um, sports. Uh, name the four 
colleges slash universities that are colors. There are four of them, not the nicknames of their sports teams, the actual name of the school. Four of them are colors. You want to take a swing at it, big trivia guy? Well, Brown University. That's one. Auburn. Very good, Tommy. That's two. I can't think of what the other think, th- uh, th- the, the One of the other two is, you know, quasi-local. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Red State U? <laughs> I don't know. I was like, you mean Magenta State University? Um, <laughs> Na- Navy. Navy is three. And then the fourth one is impossible. Siena University. Siena is a color. Um, Auburn, what's funny... Well, I, hate to t- I, hate, I hate to tell your buddy, uh, Judge, Yeah. Uh, because uh, I just Googled this now. Yeah. There's also a Berry College and a Rust College. <laughs> I think he was... You know what, then... That's unfair to him because I think he did say the four Division One colleges that are colors. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So okay. there you go. Um, Sienna, right. Sienna would be the one that no one would get. Let me just tell you, we struggled with this. And the last one we ended up getting was Auburn. I mean, we because he finally gave us a clue and he said the last one's actually in a Power Five conference. So we went through everything, and then finally we landed on Auburn. Um, okay. Uh, are we done with trivia? Well, we're done with trivia, but we've got another part of the show before we get to the meat. Okay? Yes. You know, a little appetizer. Okay. Uh, last night was uh, karaoke night Oh, at Kenny it, it wasn't pool night? You weren't in the pool by yourself? No, I, I wasn't in the pool last night. I was, last night I was uh, karaoke night. Okay. Uh, and uh, I introduced a new song, and it went over big. What was the new Be- song? Best reaction I've ever. It's called Tossin' and Turnin'. It's an old '60s tune by a guy named Bobby Lewis. It's a great jumpy tune. Mm-hmm. And jumpy. Uh, I really nailed it. I mean, it's the best I've ever done. Do you, is, this is this is the one I am going to use all the time from now on you, because the reaction I got was just amazing. Do you want to send it to me and I'll put it at the end of the podcast for everybody? Well, I don't have any video. Oh. I'm not every not everything I do in Florida is on video. Well, I mean, <laughs> speaking hard to believe. Speaking of on video, did you see the juxtaposition of Michael hitting? Uh, you know what? I don't. I, I forget what shot it was. To be honest with you, and LeBron hitting the the big shot the other night to set the uh, scoring mark, and the difference in the two crowds. Did you see that or not? No. So with LeBron, every that. single person, with the exception of one, and that one was Phil Knight, the founder of Nike. They're all holding up their phones, recording it, and then with Jordan hitting a big shot, nobody's got a phone. I, That's interesting. I did. I just don't. I don't understand the going to a concert, going to a game, and in the most important part of the game, or in the encore of the concert, or whatever, 
or for a lot of concerts are just you know people just go there and, and video the whole thing. I why not enjoy it yourself? Why, why I'm not? With you. I don't get that either. I, I still don't get it. Yeah, why not be in the moment? You know what? As, as Ron Rivera would say, be where your feet are. <laughs> be where your feet are. That's right. Didn't? Yeah, that's did, what you need to do. Be where your feet are, not where your ca- phone camera is. Didn't Eric Bieniemy say that the other day, or somebody else say it? Yes, he did. Yeah. Um, yeah. In, in fact, I think Pat Fitzgerald, the longtime Northwestern football coach did a whole spiel on that a couple of years ago that was like a two-minute rant on, you know, basically the this generation and their phones, you know. Um, and it went much beyond just being, you know, trying to be in the moment. I just, I mean, maybe some people feel like videotaping it, it, it puts them closer to the actual scene. I, I, that doesn't make any sense to me. These people were all courtside for $75,000, apparently, for some of those tickets. Uh, the other night. Um, we, we'll get back to that. We'll get to some of the NBA stuff at the end of the show. What we will get to next are all of the things that Ron Rivera said yesterday. Uh, we'll get to them right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, I think he most certainly can be. I, I know this. We will go into OTA's minicamp and training camp uh, with Sam Howell, more likely QB1, and we'll see what happens. I mean, it's his opportunity. This is a challenge to him. You know, if he comes out and does the things that he's capable of, we believe he's capable of, he can most certainly be our guy. That was Ron Rivera talking about Sam Howell with Pro Football Talk Live. We'll get to Howell uh, here in a moment. We'll get to what he said about Chase Young here in a moment, a few other things as well. I do want to remind everybody, um, if you've got time to rate us and review us, go ahead and do so, especially on Apple and Spotify. On Apple, they give you a chance to give us up to five stars and write a quick review. Uh, It's very helpful. Um, This uh, from uh, Snelling770. 
Uh, Kevin and a consistently great cast of guests have created the most entertaining and informative D.C. sports talk for almost two decades. It hasn't quite been, by the way, Snelling 770, two decades. Uh, But it's approaching two decades, actually. The chemistry between Kevin and folks like Tom and Chris and Andy, as in Andy Poland, Andy was on the show with me last week, is unmatched, and it will always make for a great listen. The topics of discussion will keep you on your toes from Lorna Dunes, pinball machines, and getting befuddled by Carly Simon to Bullets memories, the glory days of the Gibbs era Redskins, and the woes of the current commanders, regardless of the subject, it's always worth your time. Thank you, Snelling770. That was outstanding and very much appreciated, and he gave us five stars. From Maddie 34 c do you think that's Maddie who is an actual 34C? Um... She just writes, I'm assuming it's she, uh, after giving us five stars, more Tom, exclamation point, exclamation point. (laughs) That's what Maddie at a 34C wants in her life. She wants more Tom. You know, Tom's always been convinced if he was just on a, you know, a little two and a half hour train ride from here up to three hour train ride from here up to New York with Carly Simon sitting next to him. She would probably marry him at the end of that train ride. Certainly she would she go would out have, with him. She would She would have written songs about me. <laughs> All right. Um, so I think we start with the Sam Howell stuff. Um, Ron Rivera in this interview with Pro Football Talk Live, uh, you heard what he said coming in. Just the question, by the way, um, was basically, you know, what are you guys going to do at quarterback? You know, the biggest thing we decided is he will start out as our QB1. He will most certainly get the first opportunity. We go into OTAs and minicamp. He'll be QB1. He'll fight for that position. We'll give him every opportunity to earn it, and we'll see what happens when we get into training camp and through that. Uh, and then he was asked as a follow-up question, um, are you going to be active like you have been last year, you know, signing um, Carson Wentz? Uh, and, you know, in previous years going after Stafford and going after Russell Wilson uh, as an example. And he said, no, no, no. Um, I think the biggest thing is we have to find a guy to come in that's going to compete. But in terms of finding a guy you're going to have to spend a lot of capital on, no. We're not looking for a guy we've got to spend a lot of capital on. We're looking for a guy that's going to come in and compete first and foremost, closed quote. So we did, you know, this is not like a new thing with the Sam Howell QB1 because remember, Tommy, two weeks ago, there were reports that that's what he was sharing with offensive coordinator candidates. Yes. So, you know, it's not our first conversation about, you know, Sam Howell being anointed QB1. But yesterday it came out of his mouth. So I'll let you go first. What was your reaction? Well, look, first of all, Whenever Ron Rivera has to speak to a question about a quarterback, he should have to read a prepared statement that says, before we have this discussion, let's remember, I'm the idiot who traded for Carson Wentz. That was me. I'm the guy. So take what I say with a grain of salt. Okay, now we can talk about the commander's quarterback for next season. That should be required reading. I mean, because it's difficult to take anybody seriously. Uh, if he was the guy, 
and maybe someday we'll find out he wasn't the guy behind the trade. Uh, but if he was the guy, it's the most abs- it was the most absurd, ridiculous quarterback decision uh, that I've seen in many a year Carson by a, a football personnel guy trading for Carson Wentz. Right. Uh, that said, is he just saying this about – I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt here. Is he just saying this about Sam Howe because Sam Howe's really the only quarterback they have Possibly. going into next year? Possibly. I mean, they don't have anybody else. No. I mean, who's going to be here next year? So, I mean, you know, I mean, we, in a way, he's saying it because that's their only quarterback. I mean, it's like, you know, so, I mean, so I'm thinking maybe that's why. And it's the I'm only quarterback. Because it doesn't, make, it doesn't make sense to to give this guy the job, and I don't care how he phrases it, when you say he's the number one going in, it's his job to lose. That's not the same thing as a quarterback competition. Uh, and he has spoken in the past about his desire to hold quarterback competitions, uh, and this may ultimately wind up being one, uh, depending on who they draft, depending on who they sign in the offseason. So this just, um, this just may be a case of, well, He's our guy because he's the only guy we got. I suggested that earlier on radio, too. Look, it could be a situation where, first of all, I mean, the only two quarterbacks under contract right now on the team are Sam Howell and Carson Wentz, and we know that Carson Wentz isn't going to be on the roster. Right. I, I'm pretty right. sure he isn't. Right. Um, and the um, and we, I think, and I don't know if you agree with me on this or not, I, I think they're in, you know, they're in spending freeze mode right now. I think they are in – we're not doing anything big. We're not approving anything big um, because the, the we're selling the team. You know, we, with the ownership thing. You know, whether I don't know how the Snyder's are framing it with the employees because I've heard that some people in that building actually don't believe Dan's going to sell the team. Um, but uh, you know, it could be that the owners of the team are telling everybody, "Look, right now we own the team, and if we get the, a right price, we might sell it." But there's no guarantee that we're going to sell it. You know, they may be just they want people to continue to work and continue to run the business and and not be concerned. Although, again, that's delusional um, and and not really uh, reading the room. Everybody in that room hopes they sell the team and hopes they end up with a new owner. Um, but I do think it's possible that that's you know they can't do what they really want to do in the offseason. Um, so, hey, I mean, this is, you know, we're going to push. This has been our plan all along. Here's what's ridiculous to me. Um, how do you go from one month ago, which was one month ago yesterday was the day they played the Cowboys in the final uh, game of the year, which for all intents and purposes for Washington was a preseason Environment, you know, they didn't have their full allotted allotment of players. They were, you know, they weren't going to push anybody that was banged up. They had backup players, um, and in the week prior to that preseason environment, your season finale, which was meaningless because you had lost to the Browns the week before, starting Carson Wentz. Um, the defense was horrible that day too. Um, I'm, I'm, I'll never forget that part of it. Um, many will, but you at the beginning of the week. We're going to start Taylor Heineke. You, did, you didn't think that in a preseason environment that this was like the perfect opportunity to see what Sam had. Like it was the perfect opportunity. There was only one quarterback on your roster that had not taken a snap in a regular season game. 
And you, everybody knew Carson Wentz was done at that point after the Cleveland game. Everybody knows that Taylor Heineke is a backup, and you've pretty much told us that with your actions as well, benching him, which, by the way, I agreed with their 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 reasoning for benching him. The, the offense had become completely stagnant. Um, but how do you go from a month ago having concerns about starting a guy in a preseason environment to having him throw 19 passes in a game where you ran the ball 41 times in a preseason game. You didn't even give him a chance to just go back and sling it around all day to see what he had. And instead, now a month later, oh, yeah, he's our QB1. He's, our, he's, he's the guy. It just... that's, why, that's, why, that's why the only explanation that makes sense is he's the only guy they've got. The only guy they got and the only guy that they're allowed to get. Now, the other part of what he said, you know, does not – it rules out, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr and Lamar Jackson and, you know, Geno Smith and Jimmy Garoppolo probably and – well, Daniel Jones isn't getting away from New York and Geno Smith's not getting away from Seattle either, I don't think. Um, But it still keeps in play what I believe will ultimately be the quarterback room next year or at least the top two. The top two being Sam Howell and a veteran at three million bucks a year, four million bucks a year. Jacoby Brissett, Teddy Bridgewater, yeah. Andy Dalton, Case Keenum, you know, that kind of veteran quarterback. Because the other part of this, as we have talked about, is Ron, if he gets this final year because new ownership comes in and they don't make any changes, they just leave everything, or the ownership thing takes a lot longer and it doesn't happen. But more likely than not, Ron understands, like we do, that this is more likely than not going to be his final year coaching, his final chance. Is he really going to go into a season where he's got a pretty decent roster? You know, they've got, as he called it yesterday, a serviceable roster. They just need better play at quarterback. Is he going to go into that year and put all of his chips, as he did last year with Carson Wentz, as we talked about a year ago, all the chips are in the Carson Wentz basket. Good luck with that. All all the chips in the Sam Howell basket in his final year as a head coach? I don't think so. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. I think there's a veteran – you know, low somebody that they can get approved as a backup that will ultimately be in in a not an announced. Um, you know, they, they're not going to announce a competition like you said when you when you say what you said yesterday. You have essentially said it's his job to lose. I think that's the the accurate way of describing it. You know, they they they're going to want him to compete, and they're going to find another guy to come in and compete. But when he uses QB one as part of his answer. It's his job to lose. Well, Sam Howell's a fifth-round pick. There's a chance he could lose the job. If he loses the job, if you're Ron, I don't think you want him to lose the job to Taylor Heineke. No offense. Sorry. Okay? They, I think we know what he is, and I think they know what he is. If he loses the job, they want him to lose the job to like a veteran guy that can really play the position at a level with a really good team around them that you can legitimately compete for, you know, a nine-win season and a chance at a wild card berth in his final year. That's to me what's going to happen here. Um, and I do think there's a chance that Sam Howell doesn't open up next season. Week one is the starting quarterback. 
I, I'm not rooting for that. I'm actually right. rooting for him to be the starting quarterback. I hope they, for their sake, it would be a dream if you found your starting quarterback in the fifth round and he's making $900,000 a year. And it became super obvious in the offseason and in training camp and in preseason games. He not only went in as the guy who had to lose the job, he easily was our best quarterback. And then all of a sudden you're in a really you know you're in a huge win-win because that veteran backup Jacoby Brissett or Andy Dalton they're not taking you to the Super Bowl, you know no matter how good your defense is, you know they're just going to keep you perhaps more competitive offensively than you were last year. But then again, yeah. you know. By the way, I wanted to tell you real quick. Go ahead, add to that. And then there's the wild card that I think. Uh, Reasonable people would conclude, but these are not reasonable people that run this football team, that I think you draft a quarterback in the first three rounds. Well, yeah. And I think that guy competes as well. I don't think he didn't. You know, I had a caller or two this morning say, do you think he ruled out drafting a quarterback? No, I don't think that statement rules out drafting a quarterback. I think that statement rules out going after a big money quarterback in the offseason. Yeah, That's what it rules out. Um. Yeah, I think they should be definitely looking. The, their, their priority right now, if they're thinking football, is quarterback. That should be their priority right now. Yes, you can do more than one thing at the same time. You can continue also at the same time simultaneously be looking to improve your offensive line, add a linebacker, add depth to your secondary. All of those things are true too. But you still have as a top priority quarterback. And I doubt very seriously if that building is convinced today that Sam Howell is the franchise quarterback moving forward that you need to have. You know, there may be some people out there that would say, we really like a lot of what Sam is about. He's a you know fine young man. He's got a big arm. He can really run. He's competitive. He's smart. We think we've got a chance, you know, that this guy can play some quarterback and can be a starter in the NFL. Nobody out there is telling you today that they are 100% sure or even 50% sure that Sam Howell's the answer. But he is the guy that is there right now. But I think you'll end up with a veteran quarterback. As far as Taylor Heineke, because everybody wants to know what uh, Taylor Heineke, uh, I, my sense of it is Taylor's probably asking for a lot of money right now. They're probably posturing for a big, you know, backup contract kind of a deal. And we're talking about six, seven, eight, nine million dollars, something like that a year. You know, and by the way, Taylor should ask for that. Maybe somebody will pay it. I don't think this team should pay it, though. But if he's available well, thing. and no I veteran think, is, I would I, I would be fine with him as the backup for, you know, two, three million a year, um, you know, uh, if they can't find a better veteran backup. Go ahead. Okay, my theory is that uh, Taylor Heineke will never play for Ron Rivera again. I think Taylor Heineke, rightfully so, probably probably feels betrayed by Ron Rivera and will never play for that coach again. So he's not coming to play for this team yeah. under any circumstances. Betrayed by the guy and the yeah. team that gave him a chance to move out of the financial services business. Right. Yeah. And then told him that he was the quarterback, that he didn't have to look over his shoulder, that he wasn't about to bench him, mm. and then benched him. He said a lot of different things with respect to his position well, again, quarterback. I, again, you know, I mean, you can only, you can only tell, 
you can only believe what the guy in front of you tells you. Yeah, but he said both things. So I think he said both things. That's my point. He said, you know, where, you're, you're the quarterback, and then he also said, you know, we'll see. I mean, when you know, it was never, it never publicly just given to him, never. No, it wasn't. Yeah, but he was pretty clear about what he believed he would do, yeah. and that was, you know, that you don't want a guy looking over your shoulder. You don't, you don't want a guy worried about being pulled. Here's a so, here's a question. Look, I think I think Taylor Heineke. It, look, I think I think you know this whole this whole narrative that Taylor Heineke turned around in that last week and said, "No, don't start me. Give it to the kid." I think it's entirely possible they told him to fuck off. What do you? They told who to fuck off? No, he told them. You know, I don't think so. You know, I, I don't think I want to. I well, think well, it's, I you, think it's you, very likely. Do you? Do you, why would they, Why would it be very likely? Okay, I think it's possible. Okay, how's that? Yeah, because very likely, very likely would kind of go against what we kind of learned about Taylor Heineke as a guy and as a dude and as a locker room guy and as a coachable guy. It just wouldn't fit with with that part of the personality. He was always incredibly appreciative of just the opportunity over and over again. And by the way, when they brought in Carson Wentz, never balked, never pushed back at all and said, I understand what my role is on this team. Yeah. There, there's nothing yeah, about and he based it on he ba- and he based it on money. Yeah, well there's nothing about Taylor Heineke's personality from afar to me that says that when they decided to start Carson Wentz against Cleveland, he basically told him to fuck off when they came back to him at the end against Dallas. And I don't think I, – I totally disagree with you. Again, I don't know. But I disagree with you that it's likely or even possible that he feels you know deeply betrayed. I don't think that that's in his makeup. I think he's been on this incredible ride – from his sister's couch in derivatives classes at Old Dominion, about to get into the financial services industry, and he's made a shitload of money in a few years, got signed to a backup quarterback contract, all because of one team and a couple of people, Scott Turner in particular. But Ron Rivera yes, had to Scott sign Turner off on all of that all, all along as well. I know that. I, I get that. But in Taylor Heineke's mind, it's entirely possible that he, he thinks that he saved Ron Rivera's season for what it was. And he got betrayed. I don't, you know, saving the season. I don't want to go. I don't want to go back through the whole season. They were not very good on offense. He ended up being, you know, ranked as like the thirty-third best quarterback in the NFL. Wentz was the thirty-seventh. They had bad quarterbacking for much of the year. There were a couple of moments. Trust me. The, the moment against the Giants, that last drive, spectacular. The, the comeback against the Colts, spectacular. Um, here's a question for you, though, about Sam Howell. If, you know, let's just take them at their word right now that they really are kind of into Sam Howell all, all of the sudden. Um, why would it be all of the sudden? And if it really isn't all of the sudden, and let's just say during the course of the year there were people in that organization fighting for Sam Howell to potentially play when the offense really was, you know, limited at quarterback, why didn't he start against Cleveland? Because I'll tell you what, the fan base actually, I think, would have been more approving of that move than the move to Carson Wentz. I mean, and I think they would have had, I think they would have had a better result. 
How, well, I don't know if they would have or wouldn't have because they would have been. They also would. Have, they would have been playing a team that was completely out of it. I think actually Cleveland was is still mathematically alive. Maybe I forget at that point. Um, but the but, but the point is is how again we're a month and a week away from they were going to start Taylor Heineke and not let Sam Howell play in basically a meaningless game, and we're six weeks removed from. The decision that they wanted to make, I think, before the first giant game, which was to bench Taylor Heineke. And again, like I've said, I understand and personally felt kind of the same way. Like the offense was a big problem in those giant in that giant game, and it really come to kind of a a halt. And and it was what it was, and it was a a limiting factor, even though they had some really good players okay, out there. Okay, yeah, I mean, and so, look, I know that. But, but hold their on best for a second. Chance to what? win the game was not Car- Carson Wentz under any circumstances. Well, it's it's a game that could have put them in yeah, the playoffs. Right. 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 Malpractice. I didn't I was fine yeah. I was fine with either one if you recall. I I I was yeah. I I didn't think it would go well. I didn't predict it would go well, but I was fine and to me, it, you know, that week leading up to the Cleveland game I knew that they wanted to do it before the first, the second giant game with the bye week, and they didn't do it because Taylor pulled off his magic act and pulled a tie out at the Meadowlands against the Giants. They wanted to do that against the Giants on Sunday night. In hindsight, it would have been better had they started Wentz against the Giants because they lost that game anyway, and then they could have come back with either Hal or Heineke against Cleveland in the game that they had to have. Um, but... Uh, my point is, if they really are high on Sam Howell, d- did it just happen because of the Dallas game? No. Did somebody try to convince Ron, no one Carson, let's go to Sam against Cleveland? By the way, that would have been a really difficult pitch. And I'm not saying that some people wouldn't have been excited about it, but you've got one game to get into the postseason here, and you're going to go with a guy who has not played a down for you all year and was a fifth-round pick and was the third stringer. And he's not playing because people are hurt. He's playing because, you know, the starter got hurt and kind of benched, but really hurt, but he may have been on his way to being benched, as you had predicted before the year, week 10. The other, the backup wasn't very good. And then, you know, you were going to, to, to your last your, – your, I mean, it's possible – that maybe some people out there that like Sam Howell, that have anointed him QB1, were fighting for him against Cleveland. But I doubt it. I bet they didn't even think about him against Cleveland because they barely thought about him against Dallas. But now he's QB1. Actually, though, actually, given that they're not going to be able to go after you know Aaron Rodgers, which would be the one guy that I would go after if he were actually available, um... This is drafting somebody. If they really like somebody, I would totally be in favor of that. This actually is a a decent storyline. Just like we said last year when they had Wentz, the better storyline would have been if they had drafted Pickett. You know, that would have been a better storyline yeah. if they were looking for something to really pump people up. By the way, I wanted to mention to you one thing, too, that um, uh, Howie Roseman. Did you see what he said about Carson Wentz? Oh, yeah. Howie Roseman. I emailed it to you. Oh, you emailed it to me? I sent you an email about the Inquirer story. Yeah. Howie Roseman, the Eagles GM. The Eagles are in the Super Bowl. Howie Roseman's one of the best GMs in the league. I want to just, before I read to you what he said, 
I want, you know, for all of those people that when Washington traded for Carson Wentz and you were lecturing people like Tom and me and others about how we needed to get on board or get out and stop ripping the trade and stop being critical of Carson Wentz and stop talking about, you know, his time in Philadelphia and his time in Indianapolis, don't you know, Sheehan? Doug Peterson left, so the Eagles wanted to do a reset. It had nothing to do with anything other than that. And then in Indianapolis, it was totally about his vaccination status. I mean, some of you really bought into all of that. You really thought it had nothing to do with Carson Wentz. Um, But it did have a lot to do with Carson Wentz. uh, Because this is what Howie Roseman said yesterday when he was talking, um, when he was asked about Carson Wentz in those years. He said... um, here he said the league is a competitive league if you're worried and if you have players that are worried about competition and as he said this by the way um the philadelphia inquirer story says he begins to shake his head like you know jesus look you gotta be really good to start in this league if you're worried we're bringing in depth and talent you're probably not the right guy at the position closed wow him saying that basically wow. drafting Jalen Hurts completely threw Carson Wentz for a loop. Yes. Now, yeah. there's a lot more in this story, you know, uh, in the Inquirer story. You know, talking, you know, once again reiterating that Wentz had shown major character flaws between 2017 and 2019. But, you know, the funny thing, too, about the Jalen Hurts story in Philadelphia is they did not draft Jalen Hurts to become a future starter for them. They drafted Jalen Hurts to back up Carson Wentz. A year before drafting Jalen Hurts, they had given Wentz a six-year contract extension. You know, he was, Wentz had an injury history, and the Eagles were smart. They needed depth, and they wanted to make sure that they had somebody that they liked that could back Carson Wentz up. But the plan was not for Jalen Hurts to become the starting quarterback. It was for him, just like when they brought back Nick Foles, it was to... Because uh, remember, they, they had Nick Foles for Vic, and then they brought Nick Foles back to back up Carson Wentz. You know, this team would never have moved on from Carson Wentz at the expense in which they did it, which was the largest salary cap penalty hit, dead, mon- uh, dead uh, cap money hit in the history of the league at the time if Carson Wentz was somebody that could really play and somebody that was really desirable to have around. In the same way that the Indianapolis Colts, no matter how crazy Ursay is, Chris Ballard, the, uh, a very well-respected GM, threw the quarterback under the bus before he traded him, which wasn't very smart. And they, after spending a first-round pick on Carson Wentz, one year they moved on from him. Teams in this league don't move on from good quarterbacks. They don't. Okay, not at great expense and, to themselves. And, again, Ron Rivera traded for this guy. Not only did he trade for them, he all basically was, bid against himself. Was, all that was known before the deal was made. They were desperate. That was, all, that, all you just said was common knowledge. They were desperate. He was not, he was not plan A. Plan A was Russell Wilson. Plan B was probably Jimmy Garoppolo before he had the surgery. Before Garoppolo decided, no, I don't want to get traded to Washington. Let me go have surgery (laughs) to avoid that trade. (laughs) And Plan C was a bucket full of people. Wentz was one of them. And they could not come back with 2-2-22 right around the corner. A new name and a new brand and new uniforms and the whole thing. 
and say, we're rolling out Taylor Heineke next year as our starting quarterback. That was not going to happen. They had to come back with somebody that people knew. And people knew Carson Wentz. And look, a lot of you out there bought in to Washington. Was This was the right place for him that it was going to turn around. No, Philadelphia didn't unload him because Doug Peterson had gone. And Indy didn't trade him because of the vax. They Both of those places moved on from him for the reasons we understand now clearly they moved on from him. He wasn't very good anymore, and there were a lot of other flaws, including apparently not wanting any competition in the form of a draft choice. Um, so the other thing was the uh, Chase Young stuff. So Ron Rivera um, was asked about the fifth-year option. Interestingly, I think we talked about this earlier this week. I know I talked about it on radio, just about you know May 1st and – the um, those numbers were set. By the way, the number for Chase Young is seventeen point four five million. Um, there are tiers on the fifth year option pickup. Just to explain to everybody, because I know some of you have asked me to explain this, the the fifth year option applies only to players who were selected in the first round of the draft. They give the teams that are investing in these first rounders and using first rounders on these players the option to pick up a fifth year on what is a rookie four year deal. All of the other drafted players after the first round, there is no fifth-year team option on. But the fifth-year option has to be exercised in May, um, You know, basically a year and a half prior to what would be a fifth year. So Washington has for Chase Young until May 1st to pick up that option and commit in 2024 to Chase Young at $17.45 million. Not every team picks up uh, fifth-year options. There are lots of busts in the draft. But very rarely does the number two pick in the draft, not since this was instituted, instituted a few years ago, have the fifth-year option picked up if he hasn't been extended already at this point. Um, so Ron Rivera was asked about Chase Young and the fifth-year option. He said the following, quote, You get an opportunity to sit down, look at his tape with our scouts, talk about the way he played. What do we see in terms of development and growth? We're going to sit down with the doctors, with the trainers. Where is he? And then he compared him to Deron Payne. He said, If you look at what Deron did, why wouldn't you think of it that way? Believe me, that would be my approach, especially looking at what Duran did and the situation he put himself in. It cost us with Duran, but it cost us in a good way because the young man played and he did things the right way. Closed quote. Uh, I'll let you react to Ron Rivera telling everybody Okay, that they have not made up their mind. At the very least, they're telling you they have not decided yet whether or not they're going to pick up the fifth-year option on Chase Young, the number two pick in the 2020 draft. Well, I mean, it really raises a lot of questions that I think that you know have existed since year two of Chase Young about exactly how good an NFL player he's going to wind up being. It also raises questions about Deron Payne because it, it, it basically says we couldn't get this guy to play until he had a financial reason to, to, to do so. <laughs> yeah. you know, this is what I said about, uh, about Deron Payne. 
I mean, I don't know if you want to invest long term in this guy because what you may have seen was a contract year run from him this year. And basically, Rivera is saying we got the most out of Ron Rivera because there was a carrot at the end of the stick. Yeah, it's not the best way to A, put yourself in position to negotiate with Deron Payne, and B, kind of represent the year that he had. It, that's a really, really good point because it kind of. Yeah. It, it kind of describes the season that Payne had as, well, he stepped it up when, when he knew that there was a big contract at stake. Well, that should be a red flag. You know, I've suggested yeah. that the comparison with Albert Hainsworth is a bad one because Albert Hainsworth was with another team and, by the way, was a bad guy to begin with. You know, but Duran, yeah. they know. They've, they've coached him. You know, he's in the organization. You either know that he's an ascending player and worth paying, or you believe the reason he just had the best year of his career is that there was a big contract at stake. That the latter is not is not very um it's not very promising for for, for for the team if they go ahead and sign him to a long term deal. I'd like sign to sign him to a long term deal, yeah. I, I'd like I to mean, think Deron Payne is just young and is ascending. Situation. Say that again. Okay, I think that he. I think he played in a contract year. Now, like, listen. Even when he wasn't maybe as good as they wanted him to be, he was still pretty good. I agree. Okay, I agree with that. You know, so I mean, even if you're not getting Deron Payne at your at, at his best, he's still probably better than most of the other people you're going to put out there. So you have to take that in, into consideration. But I think it's entirely possible what you saw from Deron Payne this year was a contract year performance. I, I, in his verbal co- public comments, uh, his and I don't blame him for this, but they've been mercenary. They have not been, you know, uh, in terms of his love for playing for this team. Give me an example. I, I think I know what you're talking well, about. I, 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 have, I, I, I know, I know, but I, I know some of the quotes I think – I didn't know if you had one right there. No, I don't have one right here. But, yeah. I, I mean, I just recall my reaction to the quotes. Yeah. It sounds like this guy's going to go where the money is. I agree. I, I felt Plain the same way simple. in reading some of his quotes. You're right about that. Yeah. So, yeah. you know he, – He wants to get paid. That's his number one priority. I don't begrudge him that. But uh, if you, if you question his effort based on you know the fact that he was looking to get paid and played harder as a result, that is a red flag. I have to, I have to kind of put my bias aside on this one because I'm a Duran Payne fan and I have been from the jump. I've always felt like God, he's got so much talent. I mean, you just rarely see somebody that big move the way he moves. And on certain plays, and it wasn't consistent in his first three, you know, his first uh, uh, four seasons, but it was at times he was their best player. I remember Jack Del Rio the first year before 2020. One of, when he was asked about the talent and about the team, one of the things he said, he said, I'm really excited to coach Deron Payne because, um, you know, he stands out on, on film, which he does. Yes. And, um, I, I agree with you. And so, I agree, but here's, here's the quote. Here's the quote he gave in January. You know what I want, man. It's self-explanatory. I just want what I earned. Deron Payne's first four seasons, like you said, and I agree with you, those were good seasons. You know, they weren't dominant seasons, and I always felt like in some games I was disappointed 
that he didn't do more because I always felt like he was capable of doing more. But he put it all together in this fifth season, a contract year. I'd like to think that it's just him maturing as a player, as a 26-year-old, figuring it out, third year finally in, in a system, and playing alongside a guy who's also just as good um, in a defensive scheme that was having success, and that he's ready to really blow up in his prime years, which are you know basically 26 to 31, you know 26 to 30, whatever. And I'd hate to lose him, but Ron's comments, to your point, almost make me now more more interested in whether or not they feel that Duran performed because there was money at stake. And shouldn't that be a red flag? Because it should. Um, and then, by the way, here's the other part of this with Duran. You know, if he if the quotes as you, you just you know read one of them. If they really are sort of mercenary in nature and he's ready to get paid, how pissed is he going to be when they tag him? I mean, that's yeah. not that's yeah. not going to be that's going to be if if I'm right, and I, I recall reading this, I don't know if I have the right number. If they tag him, it's only going to cost them twenty million dollars. Yeah, exactly. And it's not like an outrageous number. I mean, it's a no-brainer to me that you tag this guy. Yes, but you have to have an understanding of what you're going to get for him from him, and maybe they'll say, "Well, we're going to get that it's another contract year for him. It's a one-year deal." Maybe you know, and but but again, like this is where you would then get to the point where if you're Deron Payne, you probably don't sign that tag. You probably you know threaten to hold out, and you ask for a trade. You know, and and it's by the way one of the comments that Ron made in complimenting Deron Payne. He said, um, in addition to the things that I already read, um, he also said about Payne, he he did things the right way. He didn't sit out. He didn't withhold. He could have done that sit-in thing during training camp, but he didn't. And because he didn't, now we're in that position where we have to find a way to say thank you. Okay, you've earned it. I, see, I like what Deron Payne did. He didn't balk at that in the offseason. But I'll tell you what, from his standpoint, if I were his agent and I get tagged, I will balk at that. I will definitely – I'm not going to be quick to sign that tag, even though it's $20 million, if, if, because it is a defensive if, tackle, if, turning into a defensive tackle league, Tommy, sorry, in many ways. This is the position now that's red hot. And he was listed on ESPN's free agent board as the number four free agent in the league. He's going to get more than John Allen got. He's going to get some big-time guaranteed money. Anyway, well, I'm getting away from Chase Young. You, you told me what you, you thought. You thought that this says a lot about what they started to feel about him in year two, and I don't disagree with that. Here's the issue I have with Ron, and this is why I started the show off with, you know what, we really have to just chalk Ron's comments up to, you know, interesting, not important, because they change so much. He talks a lot, you know. Um, he's a good man. He won that salute to service award. He's committed to the military. He's highly respected. All of that is true. He also talks way too much. And even though I guess I, I'm being somewhat sarcastic and using his phrasing of, you know, we should take what he says as interesting, not important. The bottom line is we dissect everything he says and he made headlines yesterday. And I don't think he needed to make headlines yesterday. 
So one of the things about this that pisses me off a little bit is that, you know, if you were a little bit more skillful, you would have just said, look, you know, Chase came off a serious injury. He went through a long recovery and rehab. That was a much more serious injury than your run-of-the-mill ACL. And what a job he did to get back on the field for us at the end of the year. And he looked like the Chase Young of 2020. We love this young man. This young man's going to be a big part of our future. But in terms of May 1st, look, right now we've got, you know, we got free agency. We've got a draft. Um, but, yeah, no, we think you know, Chase is going to be a big part of, of our future. And we're, we're thrilled that he was able to get back out on the field for us at the end of the year and get his confidence back. You know, you could see that with him in those final three games, that, that Chase, you know, uh, with that serious injury, had recovered and he got his confidence back. So we're thrilled about that, and we can't wait to see what that young man can do in the future. You know, he could have handled it that way. Instead, he made headlines. I mean, this was a headline comment. When you talk about not picking up the fifth-year option of a player that was picked number two overall, that's a headline comment. You know, when you imply that you're, you know, there's a chance you won't pick it up, that you're not sure what you're going to do with it. So he talks too much, number one. Number two is this. I think you're right. I think that they have really been – um, dismayed, discouraged, frustrated with Chase Young following that rookie season. I think it started with him not posting for the OTAs. I know a lot of you minis- minimize that, and I'm not saying they're that th- they're the end-all, be-all, but they had 90 players on a roster, and there was one player, just one, and he had a C on his chest. He was a captain, and he didn't post for any of them. And he talked about going to get his money. You can go get your money, and nobody wants you not to go get your money. You deserve. Go get it. These are short careers. You know, this is a tough business. Take advantage. Strike while the iron's hot. Nobody reasonable, in my opinion, should have a problem with Chase Young trying to make as much money as he can make in endorsements off a defensive rookie of the year season. But he certainly, certainly could have shown up for at least one OTA day. And I told all of you that they were pissed. They were not happy about it. And then we heard for the first eight games of 2021, maturity, adhering to the scheme, you know, not playing their role, not doing their job. They were talking about Chase Young primarily. And so I'm leading to this. If they are really thinking about not picking up his fifth-year option, they're thinking that he may not be a part of their long-term plans, they're frustrated with him, they find him to be, you know, uncoachable, whatever it is. And I think that you may be onto something here. And it's not like all of us haven't thought of it at some point, going back to the first eight games of 2021. Um, but certainly it didn't rise to the level of, well, they're not going to re-sign him or they're not going to pick up his fifth-year option. But if they're seriously considering not picking up his fifth-year option, well, then you build him up publicly. You build him up. You talk about those last three games. They got three games of a sample size of him off that injury where he looks good because you should be trying to shop him right now. You should be trying to trade him for as much as you can get for him. If he isn't going to be a part of your long-term plan, you know, then trade him. And you don't trade him after you have gone public with, we're really not sure whether or not we're going to pick up his fifth-year option and then compare him to Deron Payne where he's got to be incented to play at a high level with the threat of it being a contract year. That's just not smart. They got fleeced in the deal with Indianapolis. They're not the sharpest tools in the tool shed. 
That's frustrating to me. There's no, there's no forethought. There's no, you know, planning ahead. There's no thinking. There's no, there's no plan. There's, there, there's no greater message in that building that dominates everything from the business side to the football side. You know, there's nobody to deliver that message, or if there is, no one's listening to it. You know, that affects everything. They, they lack that. They lack so much. They do. But we don't. Uh, we've got more show to come. Uh, Tommy's got his Super Bowl pick, and we will talk about the Kevin Durant trade when we come back right after these words from a few of our sponsors. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This final segment of the show is brought to you by two of our sponsors, MyBookie being the first. They've got a unique deposit bonus that lets you cash in and cash out quickly right now. Make your first deposit today or anytime between now and the big game on Sunday. Use my promo code KevinDC, and you only have to wager your deposit amount one time, and then you're eligible to cash out right away. My bookie's got everything you want for the big game on Sunday. All of the pregame stuff, all of the prop bets, all of the in-game action. Line still sitting there at one and a half. Fifty-one is the total. Um, by the way, I uh, bet uh, Kansas City on the alternate point spread line, minus 6.5, plus 2.12. I have the Chiefs, in one of my bets, uh, laying 6.5. They're getting a point and a half uh, on the point spread. On the alternate line, one of the alternate lines was KC minus 6.5. Tommy, I think the result of this game is going to blow up teasers. 
Um, so, you know, a lot of people will be teasing the Chiefs or the Eagles and the total. Um, I think the result of this game is going to be one-sided one way or the other, and I think it's going to be Kansas City that rolls. Uh, anyway, go to my bookie, use my promo code KevinDC, bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Uh, this final segment of the show is also brought to you by our good friends Tommy at Shelly's Back Room. Yeah, Shelly's Back Room. Look, I'm going to enjoy watching the Super Bowl on Sunday with my brother-in-law here in Florida. He's an Eagles fan. And uh, it'll be nice sitting with somebody who has a, a real stake in the game and watching it with them. So I'll enjoy that. And I'll be picking the Eagles to win uh, when we discuss that. But I really wish we were since both of us were sitting at Shelley's watching the game. I, this is, look, you can go to different sports bars. You can go to all kinds of other places around town to watch. But there's only one place where you can go and have a great glass of whiskey and smoke a first-class cigar uh, with other people while you're watching this great sporting event, and that's Shelly's Back Room. It's the only place in D.C. Uh, where you can do this uh, in very comfortable seats with eight big-screen, high-definition TVs available to watch it no matter where you're sitting in either room. They have two rooms, so they have more than enough room to accommodate you. And... Uh, if you really want to raise your level of Super Bowl viewing to a class, like like maybe just think if Humphrey Bogart were alive, you know where he'd be watching the Super Bowl? Probably At Shelley's. Shelley's back room. Yeah, probably. That's where he'd be watching it. So be like Bogey. Shelley's back room, 1331 F Street Northwest in the district. Um, before we get to your Super Bowl pick to finish up the show, uh, the NBA at the trade deadline, um, quite um, quite the the show, I guess. I, I I'm going to start with this. I hate I hate the NBA um, when when this happens. This stuff happens. Um, I I love the NBA playoffs. It's always a must for me. I'll sit there late nights in the spring. It's just part of my rhythm, spring rhythm, to stay up and watch TNT late into the night, you know, as Phoenix battles Denver in game three of a series. I love the NBA playoffs. The regular season now, it's for schmucks, basically. I mean, you know, you don't know what you're rooting yes. for. You have no idea if the team that you're rooting for is going to be the team that you get to, you know, at the end of the year. Uh, it, it's just, it's, it's, it, I, I think this load management, you know, the, the popularity of the NFL. I saw the other day um, that that stupid flag football game outrated like the highest, you know, a regular season NBA game. I, somebody sent this to me. Um, and I, 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 Listen, I think they're on to something with the flag football thing, by the way. Okay. I didn't watch. I think, I I think didn't they're watch. on to something. Okay. It got... I didn't watch it either. But I think that they're on to something in terms of capturing uh, a level of interest in this country that doesn't care about football normally. The pro football flag football game on Sunday drew 6.2 million viewers on TV. The Stanley Cup finals averaged 4.5 million. Um, I thought there was an NBA comparison there. Uh, anyway, um, the uh, the trading of Kevin Durant um, ends this you know this Brooklyn you know multiple championship threat team that started with you know Harden and Kyrie and Kevin Durant. 
it's been you know one of the worst disasters in team sports history in terms of you know what it had the potential to produce and what it didn't Tommy remember the 76ers teams of the 70s at least they won playoff series even though that they loaded with one superstar after another Dr. J George McGinnis world be free I mean this Daryl Dawkins they, they they were the team that was supposed to win lots of rings they never won one uh, until Moses Malone got there in 1983, but that was not the team of the 70s. Um, but at least they won yeah. playoff series and got to the Eastern Conference Finals and got to the finals once and lost to Bill Walton in Portland uh, in the 77 um, finals. This team had maybe the three three most lethal scorers on one team we've ever seen and won one playoff series. Um, uh, in order, Kyrie Irving's at fault more than anybody else, in my opinion. Um, number two is, and I love Kevin Durant. I love Kevin Durant, the competitor, the player. Um, but Kevin Durant clearly picked the wrong guy, picking Kyrie Irving over Steph Curry. Major lapse in judgment. He realized it at some point in time. He wanted out before the season. They told him to pound sand, and he finally got his way. And he's going to go to Phoenix, and he's going to team up with Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, and they're going to have a championship-caliber team the rest of the way when he comes back from his injury. And, you know, maybe he'll finally get that title without Steph Curry. But it's another built-to-win superstar-laden team. Um, if If I were the Nets, uh, I said this last summer, I'll say it again, unless I'm getting Kevin Durant back in the trade, I'm not trading him. You know, with Kevin Durant on your team, you still have a chance to be a really good team. You can't win or compete for an NBA title without a top five player. Kevin Durant's a top five player. He's a top three player. And so they didn't get back Kevin Durant in the trade. They didn't get one superstar back. You could have made the case that if you kept Kevin Durant the rest of the year with this guy Cam Thomas blowing up and some of the pieces they got back for Kyrie, that you could have still hung in there and been a three or a four seed in the East and, and a kind of a wide open you know NBA uh, postseason upcoming with Kevin Durant on the team, won a playoff series or two, but they, they, they finally succumbed. And they gave him up, and they got a lot back. I'm not saying they didn't get a lot back, but they didn't get it. They did not get Kevin Durant back. And I can't imagine yeah. doing what I what they did for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. They gave him everything that they wanted, every single thing that they wanted. They gave Kevin Durant and Kyrie. And now you're Brooklyn, and you've got nothing to show for it, and you don't have a superstar on your team, like. After all is said and done, you've lost all three of those players, and what do you have to show for it? I just think the net of it all is, you know, it's not that I feel badly for Brooklyn. You know, they they didn't have to trade Kevin Durant. He was under contract for another couple of years. You know, you could have you could have told Phoenix you have to get Devin Booker back. They wouldn't have done that deal. But I don't know. The NBA at this point, you know, trade deadline and teams changing. And now all of a sudden the Western Conference is loaded top to bottom. We're at the beginning of the season. It was the Eastern Conference. I mean, by the way, I am going to be interested to see where one of my favorite players of all time, even though he's never been able to win anything, but just because he tries so hard, where where Russell Westbrook ends up. He was part of a trade, a Lakers trade, that brought D'Angelo Russell um, to uh, L.A. along with Be- um, uh, Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt. 
um, and Russell Westbrook ends up in Utah, but they're going to cut him, and then he's going to have a chance to sign on with a playoff contender. I think somebody will sign him. I do. I think somebody like Miami, maybe the Clippers, who apparently are going to move on from John Wall. (laughs) You know, he's been hurt again, Tommy, and apparently they may move on from him. I've been reading that. Um, But, you know, at this point, I'm going to follow my local team and, you know, wake me when the playoffs begin because I will be in for that. You see, you follow your local team. You get this NBA and the way with the player movement and all the drama and stuff. It really is built and geared toward the 18 to 30 crowd. I don't think follow teams as much as they follow players. Right. And I don't think they watch games as much as they watch highlights. And so that's why the NBA, that's why the NBA is so popular in, in that sense. But again, my theory is that these 18 to 30 year olds, when they become 35 to 50-year-olds, they're going to be different. Having been 18 to 30 once and now being an old man, things change. Your tastes change. Your preferences change. And the NBA, the way it's set up now, given that the population is the greatest population growth in this country is elderly, is getting older, not getting younger, that they're going to wind up paying for it. But this NBA, the way it's set up now, it's not set up for you and me. I know, but the young people today, this is what they've grown up with, you know, you know, following players and yeah. following fantasy teams. So, you know, whatever the next change is, wherever this goes from players in fantasy to something else, they'll want players in fantasy back in 20 years. They'll I'm want not it to sure. be whatever. I, I, Here, I think I think they'll get exhausted. I think one of the things that I hope comes out of this, I think the whole, and it won't, by the way, it won't. It won't change. I think what, what uh, Brooklyn did backfired so badly, giving the players as much power as they gave them to basically set it up exactly the way they wanted to set it up, that it may, it may prevent teams from doing the same kind of thing in the future. Like, it, it, it may... You know, it's it's not that I don't believe that pay, players should get paid what they are deserve deserving of. I, I I totally believe that this is a players' league and they deserve all the money in the world. I don't believe that they should be making all of these decisions and running the franchise and essentially having the owners and executives work for them, because it usually doesn't work out well and it does not work out well in Brooklyn. And it may be a changing of that guard. I doubt it. I doubt it. I think this is a league run by the players and run by the best players in the league, the superstar players in the league. Um, But, man, what a complete and utter effing disaster the Brooklyn Nets were. I mean, that thing looked like it was, you know, multiple championship possibility. They won one playoff series. I, I, I feel a little bit badly for Kevin Durant, Tommy, from this one perspective, because I do believe Kevin Durant is just a baller and just loves to play and dies to play. And he's had some injuries, some real injuries. And I don't think he recognized the flaws in Kyrie Irving. And he got completely duped. He did not realize that Kyrie was about Kyrie and would completely turn his back and be unaccountable and basically leave him high and dry. Um, which he, you know, proved to he did in Cleveland. He did in Boston. He should have known. Um, but uh, I, I and and if if Durant wins a title in Phoenix, 
I don't know how I'll feel. I do love watching him play in particular. And this the series they did nearly win against Milwaukee two years ago was one of the great individual performances by a player in NBA playoff history. Anyway, I'm talking too much about the NBA. What's your Super Bowl pick? Well, my Super Bowl pick uh, and uh, your uh, premonition about uh, one-sided is it's not the way I see it. Okay. Uh, I see a close game. I see the Eagles uh, wearing down the Chiefs over the course of a game, physically beating them down to the point where by the fourth quarter in a close game, the Eagles will wind up dominating both sides of the ball in that quarter and squeeze out a 27-20 win. How is that possible? Now, now, I grant you, I think it's kind of nuts. Because when I read stuff, I mean, because I think Pat Mahomes is like a magician. Yeah, you, you have Pat, you have, like, you have like Mahomes this. on your Mount Rushmore of all-time greatest quarterbacks. I know you got, that. You got him etched but, out next to Unitas for crying out loud in ball. And you, you're you not picking that. him to win the I, Super Bowl? And, and like, I, here's a stat. <laughs> Mahomes has started 93 games in his career. In those games, the Chiefs has either held a lead or been within one score in the fourth quarter. 90 times. Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) That's a stat right there. Yeah. This is a little bit insane, but consider this Duran Leonard one. Okay. And as much as I love Ray, you know, Duran beat him in that first fight because he beat him down. He wore him down. He was physical. Did you, were you, because I was a big Sugar Ray fan as well, but I also really loved Duran. At the end of that first fight, I'll never forget where I watched it. I watched it at the Capitol Center with a couple of friends. Um, and my father, I think, took us uh, to see that fight on close circuit. I loved Ray, and I wanted Ray to continue to win. But my God, did I have so much respect at the end of that night for Duran. Because there was no doubt yeah. in my mind, even though I was biased, that Duran won that fight. Like, he won that fight, and he... Uh, the the desperation in which Duran fought that fight was incredible. So I don't see the Duran Eagles comparison. I see what you're saying with Leonard and Mahomes, but Duran hated Leonard so much that was his moment. That was his career moment in Montreal that night. But styles make fights, you know, and that style worked. Duran. Now, Ray didn't let him fight that style in their second fight when Duran wound up quitting. Right. Uh, and maybe Mahomes will wind up doing the same thing. But I like the Eagles. I like the Eagles to wear them down. I like the Eagles. And do you know, if the Eagles win, they'll have won five NFL championships in the history of the franchise. That's the same amount that the Washington football team has won. Yes, but they will have, more importantly, for Eagles fans and, you know, as it relates to their NFC, you know, uh, brethren, they will have three Super Bowl trophies equaling what Washington and New York have. No, they won't. They'll only have two. Right. Right. This would only be their second. Right. Maybe one behind. But that's right. What am I? Pass, that's right. They they have the they have the Foles win. That's it. That's right. They only have one. That's right. That's but they'll it. have two they Super Bowl wins because you know that's all I care yeah. about is the Super Bowl era. I know. <laughs> I know. 
and that's been something that you've been able to hold over them. But, uh, you know, what, now it's, it's too close to comfort. I can still hold over them three Super Bowls to two Super Bowls. Yes, you can. Yes. Uh, it's five NFL championships to five NFL championships, mm-hmm. though. And what are the odds about the Eagles winning another Super Bowl in the next five years if they win this one? I think what's pretty amazing is that they will have won two Super Bowls with coaches in the second year of coaching the team. That's But then again, Gibbs' first Super Bowl was the second year he was coaching the team. Year two. That's right. Yes, it was. Um, you got anything else for today? That's all I got, boss. All right, that's it for today. Hopefully back tomorrow with Cooley. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing. But you know better, and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.